episode 696 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Hello. How are you, Mr. Todd? I am well. Is that your Mr. Sulu? Uh, no, my Mr. Sulu is much more uh, deep and much, much more enunciated. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. Doing I'm good? not going to do it. I don't want to blow up my voice. Um, and I am going to be, I'm going to be at, you know, I'm going to be telling people that we're sailing out from San Pedro and around the <laughs> Panama Canal in about two weeks time. So I'm right. saving it all for then. Right. You want to yell to the crowd as you leave. So yes, yes. But would you like to know what we have on the show this week? I would, I would. Um, uh, a preview of a new comic some uh, someplace, and we discuss if it counts or not, Joe. Um, a mass exodus from a site that reps comic artists, and an update on a friend of the show's Hollywood happenings, if you will. Um, the you know the everybody's favorite segment, the Rob Watch, uh, returns with the end of an era? Question mark. Um, and the segment that's beginning to surpass the Rob Watch show. That's right. Beckalania is running wild, Joe. Let me tell you something, sisters. All the little Bexters are just clamoring for Becky and her walk down Lois Lane. Can't wait for it this week. Another historical. Um, <laughs> listen, she's a real Britannian. Anyway, um, and the, uh, oh we also have what we read last week, which was Batman Offworld 3, uh, Titans Beast World number 6. I can't wait to hear your opinion on that book. Um, what we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues where we uh, reread the entire run of Gail Simone's Secret Six. And this week is Villains United uh, number 6. And I don't think we have any spoiler-filled talk at the end of the show, do we, Joe? No, we talked it last week at the front of the show, so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it here. As this episode drops into your little ears, ladies and gentlemen, we are just seven days, tick-tock and counting, until the movie event of 2024 hits. You want those 1989 vibes again? You head to your local theater. If you can still get a seat at this point. For Madam Web. You talk about Beckamania, dude. Mm-hmm. All of us webheads. Right. I went to schedule my kid's haircut appointment online, and it defaults that they're shaving the webs into his head. You have to oh my goodness. Un- you have to unclick it to say no. They're just assuming everyone wants the web shaved in their head for the upcoming what? Madam Webamania that's gonna be happening. That is true. It's 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 maybe not sweeping, but vacuuming the nation, Joe. <laughs> So, as you were doing the run through the show, and you had yep. mentioned about the Rob Watch this week, right? Um, one of my podcast worlds that I'm in, right? The Hackverse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Stuttering John from the Howard Stern Show is there the Rob, right? Okay. And then when you did the the Beckamania, Hulkamania, Hackamania thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are we the Hackverse, Dabbleverse comic book show now? Like, like when is the like when are we get gonna get on the Rob's radar? Like, knowingly on the Rob's radar. I'll right? say this today: someone X'd out. I can't wait to listen to the Rob watch. Yes. Or yesterday, whenever as we record this, and I was like. That, that kind of stuff, I could see him like, oh, if someone does a whole uh, segment dedicated to me, I can't wait to listen. 
flying a little too close to the sun, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like to be very far away from the sun. These uh, these wax wings that I have uh, could go up at any time, let's say, right? Listen, who wants to sniff too close to the sun, Joe? Oh, my goodness. Not I. Not I. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we have a, a new release coming from a very popular creative team. Um, the Vertigo book, 100 Bullets, Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Rizzo. Uh, have a new book coming out called Blood Brothers Mother from an unpronounceable comic company name, Distillery. D-S-T-L-R-Y. It's Distillery, but no uh, vowels. Hmm. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they are going to be doing the debut of their book in th- uh, three upcoming consecutive issues of comic shoot uh comic shop news mm-hmm. now where the question comes in is is this going to be another first appearance of spawn thing right um you know obviously i think comic shop news is free it's just like a little flyer that you can get right i uh, i don't know i know uh like comic shops buy them and i don't know if you do charge for them or if they say free on it like if they're like a quarter like the newspaper or something like that but i think they are free right so this is coming out as a precursor to the actual series getting released whether or not this is like new material or material that's going to be printed in issue one if this becomes the next like walking dead let's say Mm -hmm. does this now become like sought after collectibles is blood brother blood brothers mother number one the first appearance of characters in this book or is it the random issues of comic shop news right and then because it's going to be four pages over three issues what if a certain character appears in the first four pages and a different character appears in the next four pages and a different character like then who the hottest is it to that that determine like if that's their first appearance and it's you know which one is more it's all crazy i'm just going with the comic when it comes out joe and i'll say this i i'm shocked that comic shop news is still around at a print edition because does our local shop still carry it that comes out weekly, and I remember for a time our shop had one every two weeks. He would buy like mm. a a stack of them, and they would be on the counter, and then they would slip them into your bag occasionally. Uh, but I don't think we've had them in a long, long time in our yeah. shop. Yeah. So I wonder um, if this means we're going to see an increase of retailers reaching out to get this comic shop news back in their stores because people are clamoring to get the new Azarello Riso book. Right. And um, all joking aside, because it's like a, a Western book, I kind of want those four, those three issues. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm probably going to pick this book up regardless. And, you know, I, I am I a completist? And do I, yes. Do I believe that like they are, going to be worth money i really don't care i just like to have stuff like that um so i but i like to get it before it goes up i'll get one but i won't be like oh i'm gonna hoard and get 10 in case it does uh i just like it because if i like a western i'd like to have it all so i you know so i'll say this uh two things in regards to what you're talking about there 
Um, the first issue of Comic Shop News that this is going to be in comes out at the end of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could still order it if you are a retailer or otherwise, or if you want to be a hoarder. Um, and you, well, again, I don't know if you could get it with a diamond account, but anyway. Um, so it comes out last week of February. So last week of February, and then whatever the next two after that is. The book itself does not come out until May. So mm-hmm. this is a nice way to kind of get a, a preview of that. And I'm the same way. Not so much comic shop news, but back in the day, especially DC, it, was, it seemed like it was more of a DC thing. When they would do like the Daily Planet things for storylines, yep. um, I would get them and I would keep them. And if I was getting that storyline, I would keep them with the book, right? Like yep. I feel me having the little four-page Daily Planet um final night thing is just as important as having final night issue one right but you weren't banking on putting asa through college with it either no it was just it's more of a completist thing no i get it i get it yeah so i don't know there's still time i think to get the order in for that if you're a fan of this series and again you know if you're a fan of azarello and riso's work on 100 bullets and you're a fan of western stuff and you want to get a taste of it you know let your retailer know like Hey, you got a comic shop news? Why don't you, huh? Ah. Yep. Give him the Iggy. Yeah. Uh, now, this is a story that I threw on the pile um, for Todd, even though I know that Todd is no longer in the art world. Right. Um, he's His sketching days are done. Mm-hmm. For myself. I'm going to get you some sketch gifts as I go, Joe. But. Right. But one of the um, management services that represent a lot of different artists, uh, cadence comic art. Yep. Um, over the last like week or so had a ton of creators leave the company Mm -hmm. and, uh, business managers within the company reached out to them to try to get art back for them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the more recognizable names on the list, uh, Aaron Cooter, Michael Gatos, Jamal Eigel, um, Tim Seeley, people like that. Right. But it was a wave of people, um, that left. Oh, my apologies. That's the, li- that's the small list of people that are still there. Um, the list of people that left, um, it's like Tom Fowler, Moritat is on the list. And right. that's part of the reason why, like, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I know Todd's a Moritat fan and I don't know if Todd's ever dealt with these people directly or indirectly. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see like folks leaving uh, an art rep service like this in mass. It lets me know that there's something bad going on. Right. I don't know exactly, but I do know. Have I ever done business with them? I'm trying to remember if I have directly. Um, I I have definitely gone through side channels with the Moritat one. And I told the story on here is I ended up getting Moritat's email. Um, and we had partied together at different shows. And when I talked to him, he's like, yeah, I'll gladly do a piece for you. But once he did, he gave it to Andrew, Andrew Christman, who's one of the guys who works there. Paulo, I don't know his last name. Paulo was the owner. And I was like, I knew, and I knew this company was in trouble when, they gave the art, like Mortep gave the art to the guy, uh, Chris uh, Andrew, and he's like, "Okay, get this to Todd, and here's his email. Get the information." And 
it went on for a while that I was getting ghosted. And then Moritat ended up seeing uh, me in a bunch of emails. He's like, oh, this is the guy I was telling you about. And he's like, and that's when it came back. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, pay, you know, like all you have to do is pay now. And I was like, okay, what's your PayPal account? And I was like, that took forever. And it's like, when you want to pay and it takes forever, it, it's, it's going to be bad. Then it, it got shipped out. Everything was fine because Mortat was on the case the whole time. But as this was going on, I heard various from various artists, maybe even Mortat himself. They're like, uh, what, do you, what do you think about the art market? I'm thinking about maybe jumping ship. And there was like a couple other people. And it was like, I was like, I could see the writing on the wall. I'm not buying anything from here. Um, at one point I heard great things about it, but then somewhere along the line it slipped. But the only thing I can think of is if, oh, you know, I don't know this for true, but like if, if artists are leaving, it's because they're either, you know, our artwork is lost or they ain't getting paid. It's one or the other. Nobody leaves and, and or they're either, they're just not doing any business for them. That's the three reasons. And I, it's gotta be one of those, but who knows, you know? Yeah, so um, I guess where this comes in is, like I said, there was a ton of folks that left, and most of them sent out more or less. And so it sucks when something like this happens to creative folks, right? When there's mm -hmm. a company that is going to represent them, and then something goes sour. And listen, things go sour, one, two, whatever it is. But I'm looking at the full list of everyone that is no longer doing business with them. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. It's almost a hundred different artists yeah, that were like, repped by yeah. Yep. That were repped by this company, and they all sent out in this statement saying that I'm no longer represented by Cadence. Inquiries about unfulfilled orders should be directed to Cadence as the artists are not involved with sales or order fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So it feels as though there was work done for hire that was to be given to Cadence to distribute and collect money for that people came looking to the artists individually for. Yep. And I'm glad that the artists have kind of got together and are like, okay, we're going to all work together to get this fixed and straightened out and whatever, you know? Right. Or they may have had, I mean, not only that, they may have had contracts with this company. Yeah. And who knows when you leave, like there's certain, like what you can say and can't say. Do you know what I mean? Who right. knows? I don't see it being that, that tight because the comic industry isn't in the rep world, but you never know. But it's just weird that everybody had the same exact verbiage. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So was it a was it a joint effort from all the artists coming up with this, or was it something that the company told them to say, or because, or it's just something that like they came up with it because it's like, oh, like all these people are coming to them, like we bought stuff off the website. It was like I don't have that art. These guys have like we send them that art. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, hassle them like they took your money we didn't get it maybe you know because if they got the money then they'd probably be like oh we have to do something about this you know what i mean right i don't lots of speculation and conjecture well one thing that we no longer have to speculate or formulate conjecture on is what the m in kyle m stark stands for <laughs> and that, that would be movies oh i thought it was money well, let's when he goes to Kyle M. M. Starks mm -hmm. and he's movie money. 
Um, so it was just announced today uh, that Don Thacker's uh, production studio, Imajo's Films, and I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, have optioned The Legend of Ricky Thunder from Kyle Starks to be made into a feature film. Um, they do have the, uh, they're retitling the movie as Absolute Thunder. Um, I would have went with Ultimate Thunder, but that's just me. I'm glad you didn't say it a certain way, but go ahead. Right. Uh, and then we get, you know, from the press release, we have words from Thacker saying that it's an action, it's an 80s action comedy meets 90s anime meets weirdly unscrupulous aliens uh, meets your face with a gigaton explosion of <laughs> art. <laughs> uh, Kyle Stark says, I'm so excited to see my first ever book, uh, a book near and dear to my heart brought to life. Uh, what a thrill you folks are going to love it. And then they have a quote from the actor who's attached to play the titular Ricky thunder. And he says, Kyle's comic was presented to me out of the blue and wow, it was beautiful, fun, awesome, and wholesome again. Um, <laughs> so I could not in good conscience say no. Second of all, I am Ricky. We all are. And that would be former world wrestling entertainer, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, currently on the independence and TNA as the wanted man, Nick Nemeth. Oh, see, I only saw Nick Nemeth. I didn't know it was uh, the Ziggler, man. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler. Right. He's here to show the world, and he's going to be Ricky Thunder. And like, hey, man, that's really cool. Yep. We, we, uh, I hope I hope all of Kyle Stark's stuff gets made into movies. I do, too. I, listen, I do, too. Um, I wonder if it has anything to do with the change in the name to it sounding like Tag Talladega Nights, the ba the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Mm. And Hollywood was like, no, it sounds too much like that movie Will Ferrell did years ago. Well, I don't think people are gonna. Well, I get where you're coming from, but yeah, <laughs> I, I get. I you know there was somebody market research that said movies with the word Ricky in the title don't sell. I personally think. They didn't want to cause confusion in the marketplace with Ricky O, the story of Ricky. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> that terrible movie I was forced to watch. I got to watch. <laughs> that it ain't it ain't no Madam Web, Joe. <laughs> well, you got me there. Touche. Touche. What is, though? What is? But go ahead. Uh, yeah. So, I, again, you know, we, when stuff like this comes up, we're fans of Kyle. We like his work. We love seeing his, you know, we like to see him doing well. And I do like that the last two big announcements that he came, he had came out like six o'clock on a Tuesday right before we recorded. So we didn't miss it, you know? Right. Yeah. We didn't have to wait six days to talk about it. Right. I want to thank uh, Kyle's people in his representation for, you know, timing their press releases to coincide with our recording schedule. They're on Longbox Heroes time, man. That's right. Oh, my goodness. That's like about, what, every 90 seconds, give or take, is uh, Longbox Heroes time? Pretty much. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. Now, something that it's always time for. And batting down the hatches, ladies and gentlemen, because it's time for the Rob Watch. Oh, I'm just going to fasten my seatbelt and let you go, Joe. <laughs> so I get ready over the weekend. I got my Rob Watch stuff ready to go. Um, you know, obviously, he's got the deal going on with Last Blood. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Rob is someone who's really big 
on criticizing people, specifically Todd McFarlane and other people, saying that he sold all these comics without having to do gimmicks or variant covers or anything else like that. Mm -hmm. Let me read down to you, Todd, the list of gimmicks and covers and so forth that they are for Last Blood number one. We've got the launch edition. We've got the trade dress edition. We've got the bloody trade dress edition. The launch edition foil. The manga edition. The manga splattered edition. The white launch edition. (laughs) The black manga edition. The black manga splattered edition. The polished black metal cover. The brush steel metal cover. And the speckled silver metal cover. Ooh, the speckled one sounds delightful. Now, I'm no genius, but that sounds like 12 different covers of one issue. Yeah, but Joe, like, he hasn't done this his whole career. So, like, maybe he's, like, towards the end of the line and he wants to, you know, go out with a bang. Well, let's get into that, Todd. Mm -hmm. So just this past Monday, the news comes out. It's the shot heard around the world. (laughs) The Rob is retiring from writing Daredevil. And he hosts Daredevil, Deadpool. You knew what I meant. Mm -hmm. Um, He goes and he puts this big, long screed up on social media, all of the different platforms that he's on. Um, And I'm not going to read the whole thing because we can only be here so long, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But he gets into it uh, and he says, in case you're wondering, why now? That's easy. I'll be 57 at the end of this. And my eyes are still functioning. The work continues to be strong. I want to go out with the best effort I can muster. The hand-eye coordination won't be there forever. I'll elaborate more on my next Robservations podcast. Okay. Now listen, I I know someone who listens to the Rob's podcast and maybe fell behind the last two weeks because maybe the tops were a little uninspired and I'm like, well, listen, let's let's catch up. Let's see what the Rob, he's going to drop the big bombshell, right? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the Rob gets into it, and the way that he has it planned is that the last Deadpool story and last blood, which is going to be Rob wrapping up the extreme characters, um, are scheduled to end at the same time. The Rob mm-hmm. says that he had some recent health scares. But he said that he's saving that story for an exclusive that he did with The Hollywood Reporter. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like, I'll tell you what's going on in Observations, where I tell you, you got to go find The Hollywood Reporter article that tells you what's wrong with my health. Right. Can't wait for that to come out. Feels like a bit of a bait and switch from the old Robster there. Doesn't know. Come on. <laughs> That's the Rob. Would he ever do anything like that? Well, um, he's been doing it with the sales of Last Blood. Um, he has been teasing people that there will be available to get it, like, sell through or at your local retailer or stuff like that. And on this week's episode of The Rob Watch, he said, and I quote, um, I cannot imagine a time where it will be possible to sell with the retailers. If I do open up a retail program, it would be through Whatnot. Okay. See, he so, wasn't telling a fib. He just wasn't sure at the time. That's all. Yeah. I think we need a new version of the Rob Watch where Glory Days plays. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Uh, more and again, all all joking, all kidding aside, um, you know, whatever the health issues that the Rob may or may not have been having, hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully it's not something that affects his quality of life. You know, we kid because mm-hmm. we love. Doesn't um, affect this segment, you know. Right. Well, no, um, listen, the segment can, you know, <laughs> and again. No, I'm whatever. kidding, Joe. Kidding, Joe. Relax. Yeah, I, I just don't want to, like, make light of somebody who might be having a legitimate health concern, but it's more so of, like, I'm going to just con- keep teasing through different outlets where you could find information about my health concerns. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. One place where we won't send you to different places when it comes to our health concerns is the soon-to-be-named network. That's soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Stronger and more powerful than ever. <laughs> uh, anytime any of the shows in the network come out, even if they're a day or two late, uh, you can certainly find them at their own individual podcatchers, their own individual websites, uh, but also, of course, at soon-to-be-named-network.com. Now, uh, those shows include, of course, this show that you're listening to, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, At Odds With Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Hayabusi, and go back and listen to old episodes of No Chance in Helmet. There you go, for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, a side note for all you uh, Hayabusi fans out there, I have been uh, working on something to get Ed to get some sort of content out somewhere. Whether that's a promise or a threat is up to you. Right. Uh, But some of the other folks, friends of ours, that you can go and find their musings and creative endeavors in and around the internet. Of course, you can go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. You can go check out our friend Kevin's blog at HellionsTeam.com. You can go check out the Rick Williams The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChopsStoreEnvy.com. You can go check out Jason Sandberg's self-published Jupiter at his Indiegogo. You can go check out Chris Runt's Battle Monsters at his website, FortressOfComicNews.com. You can go check out our friend Davey of the band Cave People at his website, Cave Domain Comics, for his two self-published books, Mending and Keeper. And if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. Comics on the green. We're going to link up their social media page, their Facebook, so you can see when the books have come in for the week. Whether impending, of course, when the cutoffs for the latest and greatest and hottest books uh, order dates are going to be. And again, of course, whenever uh, some Silver Age Gem Mint 10 books get dropped off on the doorstep, you can find the latest collections that Dave stumbles upon there as well. Mm -hmm. You can also sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get your books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, and if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch in the package from our good friend Becky, who we're going to turn things over to right now for this latest edition of Her Walk Down Lois Lane. Welcome back to my walk down Lois Lane. We're going to skip Lois this week because it's the month of love, so let's talk about some comics I adore. If I told you the men who created Captain America and Black Panther helped give the world the first ongoing horror title, which is Frankenstein by Dick Briefers, you would think to yourself, yeah, that sounds about right. But what if I told you they were also responsible for the very first 
OG most successful selling romance comic. Now I have your interest. Before turning your basements into comic shrines and making your spouses question your spending habits, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby originally worked for Prize Comics, a.k.a. Crestwood Publications, back in the 1940s. While there, they produced a lot of comics, but Young Romance was their most successful creation. Told from a first-person perspective and printing real stories, their words not mine, the title was made to move away from superheroes and war and market to adults. It was an instant hit, selling millions of copies and selling through 92% of its first print run. The comic ran from 1947 to 1963, having 124 issues under its belt. It was so successful, Crestwood also published its sister comic, Young Love. It's a similar comic with similar sales numbers. Companies like Fox Features, Quality Comics, and our good Never Miss an Opportunity to Piggyback Off of Success Friends over at Timely capitalized off the romance boom by creating their own line of romance comics, but nothing was stopping Young Love from selling like hotcakes. The company folded in 1963 because they had the audacity to screw over Kirby and Simon by not paying them for their romance comic work after convincing them to expand the line. They were sued and forced to pay out $140,000 to the boys. That is a lot of money in 1954, and that is $1.6 million in 2024, so good for them. Crestwood sold off Young Love and Young Romance to DC Comics. DC continued the numbering and ran it for another 94 issues. So that's issues 125 to 208. And then they ended in 1975. So, where can you read these? The DC ones you can find back issue diving. In the year 2000, uh, DC printed the Millennium Edition, which is just a reprint of 125. And actually, this month, they have a facsimile of 125. So ask your local comic shop. Eclipse reprinted a lot of the earlier Crestwood ones back in 1988. You can find the regular ones. I have a couple of them. They're rare, but they're inexpensive. And Fantagraphics has two best of Kirby and Simon hardcovers from their Crestwood days. I own those, and those are awesome. Young Romance isn't as wacky as Lois or Millie, but I do recommend picking up any that you find. The artwork is gorgeous, the stories are dramatic, and 1950s problems will make you laugh. Tune in next week and we'll go back to some Lois Lane. Thank you very much, Becky. And again, uh, I always like when we get the veered off topics that aren't so much exactly Lois Lane. You know, obviously the root of all these things is the romance comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an interesting one, as Becky mentioned. Uh, if you go to your stores this week, I think there's a reproduction of this right, issue. Facsimile, as they, as they facsimile, call them. Facsimile, that's what they call them. Um, of this that you can certainly go and check out and see the wackiness in the world of romance comics. And uh, I always love those stories where the big name creators of the 40s and 50s and 60s have their original roots or so much so of their past is in these romance comics and they get nary a mention anywhere except for this show. Right. Right. And you know, like greats like Simon and, and, and Kirby and stuff like that. And I'm glad they could, you know, go against what the grain and get a check after they were wronged, you know, cause Kirby has a history of, you know, not getting paid uh, from some companies. So I like that. And I will say I'm with you when she definitely does more of a retrospective instead of like a, a breakdown of a plot or a story, which is great too. Don't get me wrong, but it, like this and the Millie, the model, like super educational. I know we got a lot of feedback on the other one. I think there's going to be the same with this one too. 
Absolutely. And again, we do thank Becky for all of her hard work, taking time out of her busy day uh, to record these things for our dopey show and add a little <laughs> bit of class and right. history. Um, I could say it here when when the Millie the Model one came in um, and I told Becky this and I'll say this here. I'm like, this this segment is too like this particular one. The Millie the Model one is too good for our show. Well, listen, what did I say when as soon as the mics went off? I was like, Joe, yep. that was so good. And that was your exact, you beat me to it. Your exact words were, this is too good for our show. And I'm like, yep, it's only a matter of time till she branches off and mm. she's making those Beccalania shirts and making money. Right. And listen, this is not us being deprecating to us because I hate that sort of thing. But no, this that's us saying, like, if if we're like a 10, she's that- a 14. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Uh, just because she's so much better. We're not bad. She's so much better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? Um, I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was Batman Offworld number three, written by Jason Aaron, art by Doug Monk. Um, Batman, you know, after escaping the clutches of the, the alien that he had come to fight, uh, gets dropped on this planet, and last we saw, he was ending up fighting space wolves, and maybe he's got one of his own now. And Ion shows up to like rescue him because she figures out where he went, and he's like, "Well, you know, I kind of have a, a mission to complete." And she ends up putting the moves on him, and he doesn't want to, you know, do it. And I do like that she gets what she basically says what every woman who wants Batman says, like, "I hope you know." that your love for that place, obviously it's the city, you know, uh, is Gotham is his first love over Catwoman, over like Talia, over Ion. Um, and she doesn't like it, but he goes back to the ship to have his throwdown with the big villain. And we get to see that play out and I own help her, but she's like, after this, we're kind of done. And through a systematic, you know, decimating of, of said alien, maybe we get some information that, uh, you know, like there's higher up the chain kind of a thing. And Batman's not ready to let it lie. So he's going to do some more digging around in space. Uh, uh, like, once again, I honestly thought that this was three issues instead of six. Um, so I thought maybe the showdown with the alien would be it, this one. But then we find out that there's three more issues. And I'm, and I'm fine with that. We'll get him to see him go off and hunt down the, the people who were running this uh, this this organization. And that's just so Batman because, you know, he he will not let it lie. He's like, all right, I did my promise to, to seek out this alien, but but I can't let people suffer. I'm going to go do that. And there's hope. There's hope for Punchbot, Joe. So that's all that matters. Oh, OK. I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. But when we were talking about this last week and you and I were both speculating, was was this a three-issue miniseries or a six-issue miniseries, right? Right. We were both like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. What was this? What was this? The way that this wraps up and then the cliffhanger, I feel as though this may have been pitched either as two separate three-issue miniseries as this is. Right. Or maybe it started as a three-issue miniseries, and then Jason Aaron got some more ideas. And it's like, well, we wrapped this story up nicely, but I got this other story I could tell, too. And, like, can we like, can we stitch them together? And they're like, yes, we can for you, Jason Aaron. 
The only thing that I kind of say is uh, I, I don't think so because I'd have to like go back and look at certain, you know, uh, what would you call it when they were like in diamond and stuff like that, that it was saying three of six because they don't like to do three issue miniseries because they're going to sell the trade at six. You're not going to sell two, one three issue trade for nine when you could do the whatever, the $20 six issue. So it just doesn't feel right. I think we were off all the way from the beginning, if that makes any sense. I don't okay. know if you know what I'm saying, but I it do. does feel like it could have, it could have ended here. You know what I mean? Yeah. For better or for worse. And I'll say for, you know, for whatever, because I'm really enjoying this book. The art is beautiful. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine, uh, anyone. <sighs> so, you know how all the designs from the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, um, what was it called? It's like the man who laughs. It was like the dark, whatever. Right. Uh, the dark crisis. Dark, I think it was like dark night, but an I G H. I don't know. Something like that. Right. I, I look at some of the designs in this and like even the cover of this with like Batman on like that giant, like alien steed, you know? And mm -hmm. I sit there and I think to myself, like, why wasn't this turned into like, when is this going to get turned into a toy line? Right. Like, well, why is this will. not already a toy line? I, I have a feeling it will be. I mean, be before the Batman armor and this alien, you know what I mean? We'll see some toys. And again, I don't know how, and again, it does take a while for them to kick those toys around, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a Batman book is going to sell, and it's the first Jason Aaron Batman book. I get it. I do. I completely get it. One million percent. I might have worked on some concepts and maybe had, like, the toy line ready to go by the time, like, issue, issue six hits the stands. That never happens, though, with any of the, with any of the, the, the things, because they, they see... I guess with Batman, it's it's eventually going to happen. But uh, there are some bad Batman stories that are stinkers that you don't want to have the the toys in the pipeline. You know what I mean? So I don't know. You know what though? If I'm an editor at DC, I'm going to take the chance. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll I would have even staked my reputation and put my job on the line right. to say that the first Jason Aaron. Batman story at DC with art and designs by Doug Monkey. It's probably gonna be a success. Listen, some people are afraid, man. They don't all have the courage Joe Sposto does. That's right. No one has the courage that I do. No. Uh, but I got nothing else to say about the book that Todd didn't already cover, and I don't want to be redundant, you know. Um, right. other than I want toys. I would buy toys like the McFarlane toys that look so cool now, you know. Right. They do toys of these. I think they would be mm, crazy. Right? I agree. Yeah. All right. So uh, the book that I was most looking forward to coming out this week uh, was Titans Beast World number six uh, with art by Ivan Hayes, written by Tom Taylor. And I know we sat here and we speculated if there was going to be real change in the book. Um, if certain deaths were going to stick, if certain things were going to stand. And, you know, there's only so much that we could get into without spoiling everything about the book. So I am going to tiptoe around, like, the last, like, page or two reveal. Right. Um, and only in saying that, I wonder when that's going to get paid off. Because that, that 
um, switcheroo, let's say, mm-hmm. feels like something that they can't sit on as like um, something in their back pocket for months, if not years. That feels like something that if they're they need they need to pull the trigger on that like by the end of this year, right? That, that's your timeline. Right now, two more like at the end, the the it will get rectified at the end of the second trade, which would be the, like the November December issues this year. If does does that make any sense of what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, yeah, like we're gonna this is gonna play out over a year at the ramifications of Beast World that that thing that you're talking about, and it's gonna be twelve issues from now is when we get like the uh, it all wrapped up. Go ahead, sorry. Right. So the main crux of this is that Amanda Waller, you know, makes the statement. She goes public and says, listen, we have over a million humans worldwide that have been turned into beasts. We don't know how to stop them. So we're just going to kill them. And it's going to end whatever's going on. But this is the sacrifices that we have to make. The Titans caused this with you know, um, Beast Boy going off and doing what he did. So we're essentially here to clean up their mess. And if that means a million people have to die, then a million people have to die. Mm-hmm. So the Titans and the collective rest of the DC universe are like, well, no, there's got to be a way to do this without killing all of these people. And they figure out a way to do so. Cyborg is able to hack, it, hack into the military systems to stop the drone strikes from killing all of these people. And the Titans' plan is that these Staros are attracted to more powerful beings. So if Superman goes up to like a regular Joe Schmo human that has a Starro in him, the Starro's going to jump out of that person and try to go for Superman. And that's our opportunity to get the Staros as they're popping out, right? Is that word again, but go ahead. Okay. But it's about halfway through their mission that it all comes back around to that first issue of this storyline where Beast Boy is talking about, like, how when he transforms into, like, let's say a swarm of bees, right? Mm -hmm. And a couple of those bees get picked off, a little bit of himself is left, is gone forever. Right. Well, if that's true, and Beast Boy's gone, but these spores are still around, and these spores are part of him then maybe instead of destroying them, if we collect enough of them, we could save Beast Boy and bring him back. Right. I thought that was interesting. Right. I really like the way that ended up playing out. Right. I'll, I'll take this. I said that that was going to be part of the ending at some point, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I'm okay with that. Um, you know, obviously we don't get a definitive death, but we do get like at least two or three major status quo changes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say with Beast Boy, with Raven and Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. again, no definitive death stuck. The Which I knew time. wasn't going to happen. Oh, and again, I, I was thinking, I'm like, well, maybe they're going to kill someone and keep it like semi-permanent, you know, till the end of the year. But again, I don't want to spoil or anything too, too much that I already have. I'll I say this. How long that big status quo change for one of the characters is going to last for. Right. I will say this. How dare you shortchange Chester P. Runks, a.k.a. the Chunks death 
when they used them to hurt Starro, uh, Changeling Starro. No, I just like that's your big death. I hate when they uh, throw like you know cannon fodder. We got to kill somebody, so it's you know it's Rocket Red. They're a dime a dozen, but uh, no, I get what you meant. There's no, no, there's no Ch- big... I, Chester P. Runk was like a he was a main part of the Jeff Johns Flash run. He's not a he's at least a, a C plus Lister. Right, I don't remember him in the Jeff Johns run. Yeah, he was like um he was like uh Wally's like lab partner in like the crime lab. No, that was Mr. Terrific. No, no, no Mr. Terrific's lab I don't know. No, in like the, the early uh Scott Collins um art issues. Like I vividly remember there was even like a Ch- uh, a Chester P. Runk cover. Okay, I vaguely remember. I remember him mostly from the early, like, uh, like for the first fifty issues, he was a big guy. That's where I remember him from. Yeah. But either way, uh, just but makes even me so, sad. that that John's run is like over twenty years old, and that's the last yeah. time he's probably been in anything other than uh, the Flash TV show. When you checked out, yeah. Were you, were you were you still watching when Chester Runk showed up, or no? I I was. Right, so, but he was skinny then. I hate when they do that. But, uh, yeah, uh, it is what it is. I, I liked it. You know, I, I'm kind of on board for the Titans' little corner of stuff. Um, you know, since there is no Justice League currently. I like Tom Taylor's stuff. I, I get where you were coming from when we were talking about last week with the event fatigue. It yep. feels as though, like, Night Terrors begat this, begat that, begat this. Right. And now let me just say, I'm a huge Tom Taylor fan. You know. Yeah. So there's no yeah. there's no bagging on Tom Taylor. But this one, like I said, that's my main part. Like, could we have done everything in this story without also having a giant like like a mini series along the side of it? I, I believe so. I believe we could have done all this and and downgraded it um without Star Out of it. It just to me, nothing's changed but one, two, or small things that we didn't need a six-issue storyline in Titans and a mini to do. That's my big thing. That's all. I get you, mm-hmm. but I'm a sucker for an event that takes place in a book that I'm already reading, and I don't get need to get a ton of extra stuff to enjoy it. I had to get one extra book for three months. Um, I, I'm with you on that because then yeah. somebody asked me the same thing. They're like, well, are you against uh, what's coming in Superman? That's the big crossover. It's got a, a Brainiac yeah. war or something like that. And they're like, well, you were against that. I'm like, no, because it's Joshua Williamson writing both Superman and action at the same time. And I read both books, but I also like, but that's also now 12, uh, like eight months, nine months off an event book. I don't like it. But well, we're not literally within in seven issues. We've had two events. That's too many for me. And I know uh, I'm rehashing stuff, but and again, I'll say this with an asterisk. Okay, mm-hmm. um, Night Terror's DC Universe spanning event. It affected a lot of books. Superman being one of them, right? Right. This upcoming Brainiac storyline. It's written by the current creative team of the main Superman title. He's picking up action, which I'm already reading. There's a one shot that was announced for coming out in May. Mm-hmm. Caveat, we don't know what the June July solicitations are going to be, right. so we don't know how much further or bigger this event is going to get. 
if it's just that one shot, maybe at the beginning, maybe another one shot at the end, and it just sticks to Superman in action, no problem. Right. But what I'm saying is I equate that to kind of sort of what Titans did. Mm -hmm. If they do, even if they do what Titans did with action and Superman, it's, it's more of, it's further out from night terrors than Titans is like, if they did this maybe with Titans in three more months, like they're going to do or two more months, like Superman in action, I'd be open to it. It's, it's really weird that I'm, I'm complaining over like, Two or three months is the difference, but mm-hmm. that's a big difference when you're reading so many books. I mean, that's my little nitpick, a la you know, uh, like the I don't know. I would call it a Joe nitpick, but that's yeah. as stupid as it sounds. That's my <laughs> so it is. It is. It can get to be a little bit of event fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it would be great to have a little bit more of breathing room in between these events, as opposed to having one roll into the next, into the next. But I will say this, that DC has been doing this maybe for the last, like, two years. It's Mm -hmm. just been in books or with creative teams that we don't follow. Right. And I think maybe if we had been on this train for the last, like, year and a half, two years, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But now two, maybe three events in a row are affecting books that we read. Now Mm -hmm. it's a problem. Right. And it affects anybody who reads a Batman book. Oh, my God. <laughs> Batman can't go four months without having the books cross over. I guess. But anyway, like I said, I, we try to be positive here, but that's like, but like, that's me, you know, just saying like on a book I love, I'm like, oh, okay. Now give me Titan solo and I'm good to go. Keep Titans out of the pool of everything else for a while. Yeah. Even though they're the Justice League of this world now. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're the Justice League of this world, so they got to meddle in everyone else's affairs, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's what we've read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you wait for the trades, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. We are currently tied at three. Correct guesses apiece. So uh, let's see what you got, Todd. I'm looking over your list, Joe. And is the book you're looking forward to most Pine and Merrimack number two? It is Pine and Merrimack number two. You are correct. Okay. And I just want to say on your pool list, it go it should go DC marvel independence in alphabetical order please but that's okay i was looking at your list and i was thinking like i should reorganize my list to be more like your list Mm -hmm. back when i used to take the picture that was the order they went in dc books marvel books and then independent books all by alphabetical order Mm -hmm. anyway i think the book that you now i i could go one of two ways maybe even three ways right Mm mm-hmm But I know there's a couple things that Todd is a sucker for. Todd is a sucker. And I could just end it there. True. (laughs) Todd is a sucker for holiday books. And Todd is a sucker for a certain member of the Green Lantern Corps. Now, typically, Nary the Two Shell intertwine. Mm 
But it just so happens that this week there's a book coming out. DC How to Lose a Guy Gardener in 10 Days, which is their Valentine's Day book. And I think that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. It is not. What? Listen, man, I am all in. I think it's the it's going to be, what would you call it, the next to last. What do they call that? The uh, penultimate? Penultimate, yes. Traveling to Mars. I've yeah. missed this book. I don't know where it's been. This book has, and I hate to use this phrase because I always thought it sounds pompous. This book has like like speaks to me about an old man whose life is on the down, you know, waning, and he just has all these regrets. I don't know why that speaks to me, Joe. I don't know because I'm nothing like that. As I you know push it away with my hand, um, but I've loved this book and I feel like it's been late. And anybody w- who would know it would be you with your spreadsheets. So I'm really I, number two is how you know the Guy Gardner book, and then and that is tied with uh, with Pine and Merrimack. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll take all three. I'm hardcore, Joe. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I will say, looking at my spreadsheet, that uh, Traveling to Mars 10 mm-hmm. was originally solicited to come out the last week of September. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem right just because. Oh, wait a minute. No, that does seem right because I was at. I almost I swore. At, I almost swore, Todd. I was at. Uh, I'm trying to remember because when I was at New York, the con, I was talking to the artist and he was like, oh, okay, let me know when the next issue comes out, What uh, when the end comes out. And then an issue came out after that. So I thought we had an issue in October at, at some point. Um, okay. So we did have, um, oh, goodness, I have to pull, you know what? Give me two seconds to pull the spreadsheet back up again. Right. Sorry to mess you up. No, no. Listen, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I don't have right in front of me when issue nine was solicited, but I could tell you when issue nine was released. How about that? That makes sense. Yeah. I would have to go back to much further, um, you know, spreadsheets and stuff that I don't have available to me here. But the previous issue came out the first week of November. Uh, that was when issue nine came out mm-hmm. and issue eight came out the second or the third week of September. Gotcha. So like I said, and th- now those are not the original solicitation dates because all of those have been late since, mm-hmm. but you're talking, you know, six weeks in between issues eight and nine, you're talking three months in between issues nine and 10. Okay. Um, using my spreadsheet, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, August, it was uh, scheduled to come out, uh, Traveling to Mars 9 was scheduled to come out in August 2023, so it was solicited in June of 2023. Yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, because I have all my old order forms on my notes app, so gotcha. that's kind of a spreadsheet, but not as good as yours. Yeah, not real. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. We'll have those to be talking about for next week. Um, And that works for me because I got those. 
Um, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other or the pa- uh, past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And again, of course, uh, the 2024 ongoing Todd and Joe have issues as we are reading through Gail Simone's Secret Six, and we're almost done with the Villains United stuff. Then we can get into Birds of Prey stuff, and then we can get into Secret Six proper. Right. Proper. Um, Villains United number six, which is what we t- will be talking about here, written by Gail Simone with art by Dale Eaglesham. When we last left the six, I don't want to call them heroes by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they were just turned on by Cheshire, leading the entirety of the society to the House of Secrets. And it's the six of them against now finally the big guns. The heavy hitters are now here after six issues of them running through armies of Jamokes. Mm-hmm. Now they got to re- deal with the heavy hitters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have the bit that was left off at the end of, you know, we got it in four, we got it in five, and we got it in six. That Cheshire is holding over Catman, that she is pregnant with his child. Uh, so obviously, that gives her an out that he cannot kill her. Um, without killing his unborn child. Uh, Obviously, science in that sort of regard is what it is. So you have that little bit of a standoff as well. Now, granted, not everyone from the society is there. Uh, Calculator and Lex are back at the society's headquarters. Right. And all of the satellites that they have out there in the world have all been hijacked. Um. And the logo that hijacked them, uh, the branding of who hijacked them, is familiar to you and I, Mm -hmm. but not familiar to Lex. And I'll say not familiar to this Lex. Right. Uh, Which is a great clue because it's Oracle. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, are we good to bump around, jump around a little bit in this, or we? However, you want to do it because it does keep switching between like Luthor, yeah, and uh, the the society, and then uh, the six. So, so it comes out that Mockingbird is revealed to be Lex Luthor, but not the same Lex Luthor that's heading the society. The Lex Luthor that's heading the society is pre-crisis Lex Luthor. I thought it was... Oh, go ahead. I I thought it was Earth-3's Lex Luthor. That's what it was. Earth-3, it was right, because that's where all the... Right, right, right. Where all the the, the versions of the Justice League are villains, like Ultraman, and Luthor is the only good guy kind of a deal. But go ahead, sorry. And this is where we get our infinite crisis stuff. This is our infinite crisis stuff with the two Luthors. Yeah, which makes no sense to someone reading outside this book. But I will say this. Gail Simone tries. Yes, she does. And Dale Eaglesham tries because I love tactician Lex Luthor. I love businessman Lex Luthor. Um, I like using his brain Lex Luthor, but you throw him in that green kryptonite armor, and I'm a sucker for that. Right. Going back to the the old superpowers toy line, you know, when Lex is donning that armor, 
I don't care if it makes a lick of sense. I'm like, <laughs> it's all forgiven. He's wearing the armor from the 80s. It rules, right? Mm-hmm. I was um, never a Luther armor guy. I'm a Luther businessman guy. So, I, I, so that, the, the visual like, is stunning. It's a great look. It is a great look. Yeah, I get it why people love it, but I I love the whole idea of Luther is a guy who doesn't get his hands dirty. I always like that, and I would say, and this is one of the times I let it go because things have gone so far. Luther has to get his hands dirty. Right, he's got no choice but to don that, his don his early eighties green kryptonite armor. Right, that <laughs> was based on a toy, so DC could give Jack Kirby some money. That is pretty much what happened. Yes, and the thing is, like in more recent years, and I say more recent years, last twenty twenty five years, it's always like the heavy hitty hitter artists. Like an Ed McGinnis type, or a Doug Monkey type, or a Dill Eaglesham type that's like, I want to draw the Lex armor. Give me that chunky armor. Yeah. I love the chunky armor, yeah. It's green, it's purple, it doesn't make a lick of sense, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Alright, so that wraps up all the Infinite Crisis stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into the Villains United, the six uh, sort of stuff. We we get the bit of a standoff, of course, allowing Cheshire to leave. Um, Catman finally gets Deadshot to acquiesce and allow Cheshire to leave. Cheshire leaves, and the society immediately guns her down. And mm-hmm. I say, let's go, right? Right. Uh, but we get some great bit of dialogue back and forth after they let her go, uh, where the parody says, I think I'm beginning to understand free will. It makes one an idiot, correct? <laughs> Parademon's the best. I'm looking forward to more of him. Um, and Deadshot reply, you know, Deadshot's like, okay, we're not going to win this one, um, but let's see if we can make some interesting stains on the carpets. Joe, <sighs> Secret Six is the superhero version of Preacher, man. Just such pat-like... Big D Western energy. Do you know what yep, I mean? Yep. Love it. Let's make some interesting stains on the carpet. Yeah. Uh, we get a face off between Talia and uh, Scandal, you know, the daughter of Rachel Ghoul taking on the daughter of Vandal Savage. She uh, is? Like, she is. We found that out last issue, Todd. Oh, that's right. No earlier than that, but go ahead. Um, again, it's like poetry, so it rhymes. Uh, Parademon has another great line that I'm not going to repeat here when Gigantus smashes into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and a line that I will repeat here, um, one of the original members of the six was the Fiddler. Uh, <laughs> we get a replacement uh, who shows up who's a lady. Uh, Deadshot says, are you the new Fiddler? And she says, no, much more. Call me Ponderosa. I mean, Virtuosa. Stop it. All right. Um, We get a bunch more defectors. Um, Ragman makes a plea and convinces Solomon Grundy to join their ranks, albeit briefly. Right, because they're both uh, by appealing to the freak in both of them. Love that bit, man. Great bit. Great, fantastic bit there. Um, Vandal Savage shows back up. 
uh, after he finds out that his daughter is here and he gets Earth 3 Lex to call off the goons. Um, You know, maybe when the six had him right on the ropes and they were about to win, or maybe not, right? Mm -hmm. And we find out that Scandal and her team had a goon, a mole, uh, in Luther's crew as we get the revelation uh, that not only is Knockout working with the six, but she and Scandal are an item. Yes. Uh, that makes me want to go back and read the previous five issues to see if there were enough clues there in regards to Knockout, because she's been in every issue as part of the Goon Squad, uh, to see if, you know, maybe she was pulling her punches, maybe if she was whatever, you know? Right. One yeah. of the things that I love in this, as you mentioned already, the Talia uh, uh, scandal throwdown, is we also get a dead shot uh, death stroke throwdown. The double D's going at it, Joe. Right. And uh, we get a bit where uh, more or less like it's a rare glimpse of self serving chivalry by Deadshot. Mm-hmm. In that he's kind of going to sacrifice himself to distract maybe kill Deathstroke to allow the others to get away uh, in a way to be like, listen, I, I, I kind of boned over uh, Catman, but like I owe him a debt because I did that. But if I kill you and die in the process, then I don't really have to pay him back. But kind of sort of me doing this is paying him back sort mm-hmm. of thing. I I love that it's like a high noon thing kind of too. So, but yeah, that and uh, oh, Parademon Joe, oh uh, the ultimate sacrifice, <sighs> the bit so, where he uses the multiple mother boxes tied together. Yes, and, and this is something that was established earlier in the series where he's just got a bunch of mother boxes that he's been collecting from people. Um, he sets them all on self destruct to let the others get away. And loses uh, most of his limbs in the process. Right. And I love the interaction because he loves uh, Ragdoll. And he's just like, tell me, a, tell me a joke, clown. And he's like, dear loyal demon, you've misread me. I don't know any joke. He's like, wait, you're missing three limbs and you're about to bleed to death in the mud without ever having a name or a home. Like, he's, re- like, he's like, this is what you, what you were. And, he's, and he just laughs. And he's like, see, I told you you were funny. And he just dies. Joe, I was heartbreaking when it, Gail Simone made me love, and they she even puts it in that dialogue, a nameless, random parademon. And I have goosebumps as I'm re- talking about this right now. Yeah. That's how much I love this this nobody character. So good. Yep. Uh, we, and we do get one little last bit here um, to wrap you know, two little last bits um, where Luther Mockingbird. Um, tells the remaining members of the six, which again is still six, because I guess Knockout takes the place of Parademon anyway. Um, that there were no implants. I'm a liar, not a child killer. Um, the deal is correct. You failed, but you live. Right, and it's only five, Joe. Oh, okay, this because you lose Parademon, but you also lose Cheshire. That's right. That's right. So I'm just doing the math real quick. So. All right. Again, we, we talked before about how I have problems remembering three numbers, let alone adding that up to was, five or six. I get you. Uh, but we get the bit where both Catman and Deadshot go and meet up with Oliver Queen. 
They tell him what Earth 3 Lex's plan is, uh, but not before Catman gets to get one over on Oliver Queen and just say, yeah, we're doing this, but we're kind of even, whatever our deal was. Um, you know, what you guys did to one person way back in the day is just as bad as what Lex and his crew are about to do. We're giving you the heads up. You go stop them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all comes down because they mind wiped one person. And the quote where he's like, good guys don't lobotomize people who are already in handcuffs. Yeah. I was like, that, as as jerky and villainy as all the characters in the six can be, he ain't wrong, Joe. Mm-hmm. That was a bad moment. And then when it comes down to it, they walk away and, and, and Deadshot's saying, so what do we do now? And he's like, we get the others and decide if we're going to be the saints or the sinners somehow. And he's like, I love uh, Deadshot. I was like, why don't we just flip a coin? And I'm like, and that's the way they are. They straddle the line. Spoiler alert for the rest of the year. They straddle the line, Joe. Yep. And if it ended there, it'd be perfect, but it doesn't. We've got another year left. Um, you know, another however many issues there is left to read in this. Uh, next week, we'll be reading that Villains United Infinite Crisis special. It is a little bit bigger of a thing. It does lean a little bit more heavy to Infinite Crisis stuff, but yeah. there are a lot of key moments and elements in here that we need to know for the six going forward. Right. There are. There definitely is. But I do feel, and I don't want because I did reread ahead, like mm-hmm. there's going to be a bunch of stuff where like is never going to get paid off because it's society story heavy instead of six. And then we go into like the regular, you know, the, not the regular series, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta read through so much infinite crisis stuff to get those morsels of uh secret six. I think it's worth it though. It, oh, it's definitely worth it. I don't want to b- belittle it, but I was like, I forgot, but we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to help us out and support us, there's a couple ways that you could do so. Um, of course, you could head over to our store, purchase shirts and pins and stickers or a fancy logo on them. Just shoot me an email. We'll work something out. Uh, the Tee Public sale is going on as you're listening to this. 35% off all the designs in our store. Uh, designs inspired by this show, by After Dark, by Soon To Be Named Network. Um, you can get them on everything from cell phone covers to notebooks to everything in between. Uh, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. This page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You can use this affiliate link at any time you want to buy anything on eBay and support the show at the same time. Yeah. And the biggest and bestest, most splendiferous way to help us out would be to sign up for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, You get for as little as a dollar a month you get previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog we're hot off the heels of just recording february 1994 just this past week and i tell you man listen to the rob and having that knowledge of the more recent 30 years plus ago previews in my head is very helpful yep very helpful. Uh, of course, all the uh, scans of those catalogs are up there. And uh, over the last week, I went through the Patreon and did a thing called Collections, where if you want to get just all the previewing of the pasts, if you want to get all just the catalogs, if you want to get all the episodes of the main show, all the episodes of After Dark all in one spot, you could do that. The other show that's available over on the Patreon is Comic Book Oddities, where we look at some of the uh, lesser-known 
uh, pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe TV movies, pilots, um, that sort of thing from the world of comic books. They've been trying to turn comic books into the visual, um, you know, into other visual mediums, the motion pictures, etc. For as long as Todd and I have been alive with varying levels of success, mm-hmm. um, sign up now and you can listen to our latest episode that we did there, uh, Return of the Incredible Hulk. And all I have to say about that one, Todd, is the big guy is here. Oof. Yes, he is. And if you listen to After Dark, maybe you're already on the patron at the $5 level and you're getting the episodes, the bonus episodes two weeks before everyone else. And you're getting Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else. Correct listening order. Correct listening order. We're calling a little bit of an audible this month where a regularly scheduled comic book oddity is getting bumped to next month. Whereas February on the Patreon, we're going to be talking about Madam Web. Yes, sirree. Madam Web is for lovers, Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, but like I said, definitely we appreciate all of your continued patronage, your continued support, your continued everything. Uh, whether it be with the Patreon, whether it be with the main show, sharing, retweeting, quote tweeting, you know, letting folks know. It always shocks me when I see people in the industry uh, retweet the show, say they listen to an episode, just one episode, you know, maybe come back and, you know, just download them. Don't listen. It's okay. You do what you got to do, right? Right. And uh, like I said, no other TV talk right now because next week is, you know, it's 1989 all over again when Madam Web comes out. That's right. I can't believe we're not going to live nineteen. Yeah, we're not going to be talking about that on the main show because that does that's you know because usually when we talk about a movie, it's like ah, the last like 15, 20 minutes of the main show. Call it a hunch. I have a feeling that Madam Web's going to take up a lot of time to cover. I, you know, I agree. I agree. And Joe, as you say, I can't believe I'm going to live nineteen eighty nine twice. <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. I'm going to live it. We're all going to live it twice, even if you weren't there the first time. It's going to be so big this time, it's going to be like you lived it the first time. Yes, it is. All right. So I think that's enough show for this week. We've done a show. Is this a show? It Uh, definitely is a show. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This was episode 696 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.